Good morning, everyone. I invite you to open your Bibles to the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 25. We're going to be in verses 14 through 30, 14 through 30 of Matthew 25, the parable of the talents. As you're turning there, I would like for you to think through this question. What would you do if somebody entrusted you with a million dollars? Now, this money isn't given to you as a gift, rather as an investment, as an opportunity for you to take the money, to make it grow, and to keep a portion of the proceeds. Now, would you start a new business with this money? Open a restaurant or an online store? Would you seek to develop a new product for childcare or for pet grooming? Would you buy real estate and develop a new subdivision or a business park? Or would you go to an investment specialist, buy stocks and bonds with an eye towards double-digit returns? There are numerous ways that you could invest a million dollars to make more money. However, doing nothing with the money would be absolutely foolish. It would be neglect of the gift and the responsibility that was given to you. For some of us, the prospect of being given a million dollars to invest is exciting. You have all sorts of ideas of how you would invest this money to see a return. But for others, it would be a burden, daunting, anxiety producing. Who would even want so much responsibility? And yet, while very few of us will be given such amount of money... Entrusted with a task like this, all of us must ask the question of how we will invest the resources that we have been given. For each day when we wake up, we have to decide how we'll use our time, our money, our health, our skills, our opportunities, because they are all gifts from the Lord. Maybe more than any other generation, we have the temptation to waste the gifts that have been given to us on vanity. For we have at our disposal access to constant and uninterrupted entertainment. We have become so technologically advanced in our ability to be lazy. We can spend a whole day viewing flashing lights and beeping sounds. But at the end of such a day, we know that it was a waste. We know that it was not what we were meant to do. Rather, we were made to work. We were made to creatively produce. For the original command was to work the garden. It was to spread out the creative order of God over the face of the whole earth. It was to be fruitful. It was to multiply. You see, we are to be a people who produce and grow and bring forth abundance. But it was sin that interrupted the work that God had given to us. It was sin that made it difficult and made it frustrating. It was sin that caused us to give up and stop investing our lives and begin wasting them. In our passage for this morning, the Lord Jesus teaches us that His kingdom may be likened to a wealthy man who went on a journey and entrusted his resources with three of his servants. To each servant was given a large sum of money, of which the wealthy man expected an accounting of when he returned. And when he did return, 
He gave great rewards to those who invested his resources well. But to him who walked in fear and did nothing, he was harshly punished. And what we learn from our parable this morning is that if we would be faithful while we wait for Christ's return, every Christian must invest their talents for the good and the growth of the kingdom. So hear now the word of the Lord, the gospel of Matthew, chapter 25, starting in verse 14. This is God's holy word. For it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one to each according to his ability. Then he went away. He who had received the five talents went at once and traded with them, and he made five talents more. So also he who had the two talents made two talents more. But he who had received the one talent went and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. Now, after a long time, the master of those servants came And settled accounts with them. And he who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five talents more, saying, Master, you delivered to me five talents, and here I have made five talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. And he also, who had the two talents, came forward saying, Master, you delivered to me two talents. Here I have made two talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter in the joy of your master. He also, who had received the one talent, came forward saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid. And I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here you have what is yours. But his master answered him, You wicked and slothful servant, you knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I scattered no seed. Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers. And at my coming I should have received what was my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to him who has ten talents. For to everyone who has will be given more. And he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And cast the worthless servant into the outer darkness. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of the Lord remains forever. Let us pray. O most blessed God, we believe and confess that you have caused all the Holy Scripture to be written for our learning. And so we pray that we may in such wisdom hear, read, learn, and inwardly understand them. That by patience and comfort of Your Holy Word, we may embrace and ever hold fast the blessed hope 
of everlasting life which You have given to us in our Savior and Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Over the last several weeks, we have been confronted with this one question throughout each of the parables. How are you, how are you to faithfully await the coming, the advent of Christ? How do I faithfully wait for Jesus to come again in this time in between His first coming and His second coming? What am I to be about? And the main point of this parable is that to faithfully wait for the kingdom, every Christian must invest their talents toward the growth of the kingdom. That is, everyone who is a follower of Christ is called to use all that they possess to see that the kingdom of God advances in their generation and beyond. That is the mission, growing God's kingdom. But how exactly are we called to do that? How are we to approach the investment of our talents? Well, the first thing that our text teaches us is that if we would rightfully invest our talents for the expansion of God's kingdom, we must begin with the knowledge that they come as a gift from the Lord. Again, verses 14 through 15, you can look there and see it says, for it, that's it is the, the coming of the kingdom. We've already seen that earlier in Matthew 25. So when, when, when Jesus says, for it will be like, we understand he's saying the kingdom will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. To each he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, to each according to his ability. Then he went away. A few things that we note from these verses. The first is that while we wait for the return of the Lord, each Christian is given a talent. Now, in the parable, the word talent means a large denomination of money. It was a great amount of money, tens of thousands of dollars. And what this talent means is that each of us has been given a gift from the Lord that we are called to steward. We'll be responsible with this blessing from God. The second thing that we see is that these gifts will be given according to the measure that the Lord determines. To some, greater and more visible talents will be given, and to others, smaller and less visible. Yet to each, a talent will be given. This parable is teaching on the nature of the church between Christ's first and second coming. And we understand that the talents or gifts given are those that are given by the Spirit of God Himself. As we read in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, Now, there are a variety of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are a variety of service, but the same Lord. And there are a variety of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. When you come to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, you receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit is the possession of everyone who has truly accepted the Gospel. 
And by the Spirit, every Christian has been given a gift. Now, these gifts vary in strength and in type. However, they are all given by God for the common good. For the upbuilding and the growth of His kingdom. And this is the first thing that you need to know to invest your gifts, your talents for the growth of God's kingdom. You must know that you have been given a gift and that whatever gift you have is from God. You see, Jesus is not present on earth now. He is ascended. He is at the right hand of the Father. And one day He will return. But until that time, He is given to His church His Spirit. And it is by the Spirit that we have wisdom and power. It's by the Spirit that we have strength and might. Christian, you have a gift from God that He has given to you by His grace. You truly have something to invest for the kingdom. Now, there are those who do not believe that they have anything to bring to the kingdom. But the Word of God tells us something different. The Word of God says that everyone, to each, has been given a talent. They've been entrusted with a great and undeserved gift. Christian, you have a gift to share with God's body. On the other hand, there are some of you that know that you have a talent. But you're denying that your talent has come from God and that you must use it for His glory. You believe That your strengths, your opportunities, your wealth have been cultivated and achieved by your own power and wisdom and insight. You believe that they belong to you alone. You do not recognize that the talent that you have has been given to you as a gift from God that you would use it for His glory. That it is not your possession, but it is your stewardship. And if you would faithfully use your talents for Christ, you must understand that you have been given a talent by God according to His wisdom. Now one of the biggest questions, if not the only question, that you need to ask when you're investing your resources is, will this investment grow? When you're choosing where to invest, say, your IRA or your 403B or your 401K or whatever investment that you have, you want to know how much will this mutual fund, how much will this company grow? So you look at past performance, you read the prospectus, you do several other things that financial advisors understand and I don't. But in the end, no matter how much research you do, there's no guarantee that a particular fund or company will grow. Past performance doesn't guarantee future results. Now, in our passage, we see that each of the servants have a choice about how to handle the talent that they have been given, this large sum of money that they have been given. And two of them trust that if they invest what they have been given, that there will be a return for it. But the other is fearful that he may lose his master's wealth, and so he buries it in the ground. Again, verses 16 through 18, there we read, He who had received the five talents went at once and traded with them and made five talents more. So also he who had the two talents made two talents more, but he who had received the one talent went and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. 
Those who invested their resources saw amazing returns. Right? 100% return. You invested five talents, you got five talents back. You invested two talents, you got two talents back. But the one who buried the money received nothing. In the world of finances, of course, there's always risk. But the Word of God teaches us that if we are willing to use the talents that the Lord has given to us, that He will bring forth the growth that He desires. There is nothing that we can do on our own to guarantee this. There is nothing that we can add to the kingdom according to our own personal power. Nevertheless, when we trust the gift that God has given to us and begin to share it, we will see great and amazing growth for God's kingdom. The Apostle Paul, reflecting upon this reality, wrote, I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. If we would wait faithfully for the Lord, we must be willing to use our talents, believing that God will use them for the growth of His kingdom. There's no better better investment that you can make. For the schemes and the companies of this world will rise and they will fall. There will be ever greater, there will always be gains and there will be losses. But those who invest in the kingdom, there's only growth. There's only gain. For when you offer what you have to the Lord, He will take it and He will bring about His desired good purposes. A pastor friend of mine once shared a story about a member of his church who had made a handsome sum of money in a business adventure. He felt called by the Lord to give much of this money that he had made to his local church, and so he made a very generous donation. A few years later, things went south in his business, and he lost all that he had and even had to file for bankruptcy. And the pastor asked him, do you regret giving all of that money to the church now that you have lost so much? And his response was so insightful. I want you to pay attention to it. He said, regret? No. I have lost everything except what I entrusted to the Lord. The world took everything away from me except for that which I invested in the growth of the kingdom of God. You see, he was living out Matthew 6. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. You see, you have no guarantees in this world that you will invest in something that will grow and bring returns. But the one guarantee that you have is that if you invest in the coming kingdom of God, that you will see great returns. And of this kingdom that is coming, there will be no end. And our King will rule forever and ever. And so offer your talent to Him. For a day will come when all is lost except that which is given to God in faith. 
if you would faithfully invest your talents for the growth of the kingdom, you need to know that your talents are gifts from God. You must trust that God will cause your talents to bring kingdom growth. And finally, you must regard the accounting or the reckoning of the Lord. In our parable, the wealthy man returns from his journey and he requires each of his servants to present to him what they did with his resources. Those who diligently invested and worked were given great commendation. Look at verse 21. It says, His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. This blessing is given to both those who were faithful to their stewardship. Him who had five and him who had two. However, to the one who fearfully buried his talent, we read in verses 26 through 30, this. But his master answered him, You wicked and slothful servant, you knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I scatter no seed. Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers, and at my coming I should have received what was my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to him who has ten talents. For to everyone who has will be given, more will be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And cast the worthless servant into the outer darkness. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. O Christian, there will be a day of reckoning for the talents that you have been given. This day will either be the day that you die and go to meet the Lord or the day when Christ returns. And on that day, you will be called to give an account for all that the Lord has so graciously given to you and what you have done with it. And to those who have served the Lord faithfully, you will hear these wonderful words. Well done, good and faithful servant. You will be welcomed into the joy of the Master. But to those who fearfully refuse to serve the Lord with what they have been given, you will hear weeping and gnashing of teeth. Anyone who has ever worked retail understands what it means that you will be get, that you will have to give an accounting. It's when you have to count out your drawer at the end of your shift. The manager will look at all the receipts and ensure that the money that you have in your drawer matches the money that had been given or spent. I remember in particular when my wife April worked at Kroger one summer in high school they would check down to the last penny. And if something was off, she knew that she would be in big trouble. And what Jesus is teaching in this parable is that when we come to the end of our earthly life, the Lord is not going to ask how many trophies you won, how many degrees you earned, how much money you made. He's going to ask, how did you invest the gift that I gave you for the advancement of my kingdom? 
And those who invested, they will be given more. And to those who invested nothing, even what they have will be taken away. Now you might be wondering, how does this fit with the gospel of grace? How does justification by faith and not works comport with Jesus' teaching on investing your talents for the kingdom? And it's important we understand because we should not go away with the idea that we earn entrance into the kingdom of God by being good investment specialists. For the gospel is clear. We are all sinners and we add nothing to our salvation. Jesus went to the cross and He died as a substitute. He died the death that we deserve and He gave us the life that He earned. And to all who trust in Him, He freely gives the forgiveness of sins and life everlasting entrance into His kingdom. We are saved by grace and not by works. However, the Gospel is equally clear that we are saved by grace to works. That is, we are saved so that we would walk in obedience to the Lord for the growth of His kingdom. Paul says in Ephesians 2, For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. The gospel is clear. We are saved by God's grace. We are not saved by our works. Only God gets the glory. But then his next thought is this. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. This is what the parable of the talents is about. It's about the good works that God has prepared for us to walk in. He saved us by grace. He will keep us by His grace unto eternity. But those He has truly saved must walk in the good works that He has prepared for them. He must invest His God-given talents for the sake of the kingdom. So how will you invest your talents? The gift that God has given to you. When I was about 14 or 15 years old, my family began going to a new church plant in Evans, Georgia, which is just right outside of Augusta, Georgia. And the story is told that when the founding group began to meet, they asked everyone that was in their group to share what talents they had that they could give to reach their community. This is why church plants are so great, because they understand that as a church, their purpose is to reach their community and draw people in to grow the church. Sometimes we can become lazy when we're established. We forget that that's what we are called to do, how we are to serve and to cause the kingdom to grow. But they were meeting together and they were asking, how might you share your talents? And one woman, when asked, said, you know, I don't really have anything to share. She wasn't a teacher. She wasn't an evangelist. She didn't have much money or connections. But when she was pushed to share something that she could do, the one thing that she could think that she had was a knockout cheese biscuit recipe. So the group said, all right, why don't you bake a few dozen of these cheese biscuits and share them with the visitors that come? 
Well, the first Sunday, everyone who tasted the biscuits agreed, man, that's a great recipe. You're right. And they all got eaten. They were buttery. They were flavorful. And a great way to welcome folks who might not have had time for breakfast before church. Well, the next Sunday, she decided to make a few dozen extra to ensure that everyone would have enough. But they were all eaten as well. And each Sunday, no matter how many she made, the Lord brought more and more hungry visitors to come and eat them. I remember well, waiting anxiously for the next batch of cheese biscuits to come out of the church kitchen, hoping that there would be enough to fill me up before Sunday school began. And while the Lord used many other talents to grow that church, grow it did. Several years later, after I had graduated from college and returned to visit that church, it had become an established church of well over a thousand members. And they were still pumping out those cheese biscuits. (laughs) But at some point along the way, the cheese biscuit ministry grew so large that they had to build an industrial-sized kitchen and hire a crew to provide enough for every visitor and hungry teenage boy that came. All because a woman with a good cheese biscuit recipe was willing to come forward with the talent that she had and to trust that if she gave this one small thing, the Lord would cause it to grow. The mission is clear. Grow my kingdom. Scatter the seed. Go to the highways and the byways that my house may be full. Invest your talents for the growth of my kingdom. And that might look like giving financially because the Lord has talented you with making money. Maybe it means that you will teach a Sunday school class or work in the nursery. Maybe it means that you will serve as an usher. Maybe it will mean you will sing with the choir. Those of you who were here last Sunday night can testify to how amazing that was, drawing people into the kingdom as we heard the amazing performance of the Messiah. Maybe it's making coffee. Or maybe... It's something that only you know that you have, that you can share, that the kingdom might grow. What talent do you have to give? You might think that it's small, but if you're willing to humbly offer your talents to the Lord, He will cause them to grow. For He has given to each of us to offer, to give our lives in faith, so that on the day of His advent, we will surely hear, Well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of your Master. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let us pray. Almighty God, we come to you, Lord, and we know that to each of us, There's a wall, there's a hurdle, there's a challenge to sharing our talents. To those who have been given much, it's difficult to let go of the abundance that has been given to us and to trust that you will cause it to grow for the sake of your kingdom. And to those of us who feel like we have very little, it's humbling to come to present what we have. And yet you, we trust in that You will cause it to grow. And so we pray, O God, as we look forward 
to 2022. That we would see a year of great growth for the sake of the kingdom of God as your people faithfully invest the talents that you have given to them. We pray this in Christ's holy name. Amen.